the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many self-help resources focus on the step-by-step process of goal setting, but very few focus on what comes after a goal is achieved. According to today's guest, Alan Stein Jr., if you want to remain a champion, you must level up what you did to become a champion. Alan joins us today to discuss how the highest performers in sports and business have been able to create long-term success. Alan is a basketball performance coach who spent more than 15 years working with high-performing athletes. He served as a consultant for Nike Basketball, Jordan brand and the McDonald's All-American Game. Alan is the author of the book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. Welcome, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Alan, many people today feel burned out and they're really not enjoying what they do. What do you believe has happened to make people feel this way? Burnout was certainly on the rise prior to the global pandemic uh, and We've only seen that, you know, exponentially been heightened over these past two years. And and ultimately, burnout is, is caused in two different ways. Um, one is from lack of self-care and, and from lack of making the time to refill your own bucket mentally, physically, and emotionally so that, that, that you're charged up and ready to be your best self. Uh, and, and that's easy to fall into. You know, I, I know... People wear many hats and have many roles in their lives and, and work being only one of them. And they feel, often feel uh, pulled in several different directions. And, and usually when that happens and they feel like they just simply don't have enough time in the day, one of the first things to go uh, is that focus on self-care. Um, but the other is uh, simply a misalignment between the hours they're putting in at work and their fulfillment and their sense of purpose at work. You know, if if you're logging a lot of hours and you're making tons of sacrifices, which I know so many people are, if you don't feel your work is meaningful, uh, if you don't feel you're making a contribution, uh, if, if your work no longer fascinates you, that's when burnout will start to rear its, its head. So it's it's not just the long hours, although that is part of it. It's feeling fully aligned with the work that you're doing. So then there's a direct correlation between loving what you do and being successful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the, the best pieces of advice I ever received, I'm incredibly grateful, I received very early in my life. I was a teenager, uh, and a mentor said to me, um, Alan, you need to find what it is that you're passionate about, you know, what you love to do, uh, and you need to find what it is that you're naturally pretty good at, you know, where your talents and your gifts lie, and then you need to see where those two points intersect. And that point of intersection of, of your passions and your talents uh, will be your strength zone. And he said the, the more time you can invest in your strength zone, uh, not only will you perform at a higher level, but you'll actually uh, feel more fulfilled and have much more enjoyment uh, in your work as well. And, and I've used that as kind of my North Star throughout my career, is trying to find the intersection between something I love and something I'm, I'm pretty good at. And, and that's certainly what I would recommend uh, for everybody listening. And, and I realize that, you know, if you, you find yourself in a job or working for an organization and you don't quite feel aligned, you don't quite feel passionate about your work, and you don't necessarily think you're utilizing, you know, your, your skills to the best of your ability, uh, you don't have to just 
rip it off like a Band-Aid and, and completely jump ship and try to start something new. Uh, you can start to make uh, slight uh, and tiny incremental pivots and changes to hopefully course correct. But yes, at the end of the day, I think the only way we can do our best work and live our best lives is if we're doing work that we're passionate about and enjoy. And I think that's such great advice, Alan, because so many people I know, they hate what they do. I mean, it's just like they're they're going through this grind for a paycheck and they're miserable. And, you know, they if you say to them, well, why don't you change? You're like, where am I going to go? I, you know, I have to support my family. So that really is great advice that you don't have to rip it off like a Band-Aid. You can do this gradually. For sure. And, I, and please know, I have absolutely nothing but the utmost love, empathy, and compassion uh, for anybody in the scenario that you just described. And I know there are millions of people uh, that feel that way. And, and my goal uh, when working with folks like that um, is to help empower them and let them know that they actually have more freedom of choice than they may believe, and they actually have more power over their own destiny and power over making these changes than they, they may believe. And, and yes, uh, I understand that if, if you're working paycheck to paycheck and you have a family to support, that you can often feel caged in and trapped uh, by your job. And you realize, well, if I were to, to hand in my two weeks notice today, you know, what would I do to earn a living? And, and once again, uh, you don't have to go that route and be that, that drastic, but you do want to put some sense of urgency on it. And, and there are steps you can take to slowly start expanding um, what you're looking for and, and find uh, a job that you think would be much more suitable, uh, that you would enjoy more, and, and you can slowly work towards that. And, and I think just the concept of having a plan and a strategy in place, even if it was going to take you a year to fully make the transition into another career, just having that as the North Star and that light at the end of the tunnel, I think would actually give you more optimism and hope and would make your current work a little bit more palatable. You know, if, if you're not viewing it as a life sentence, but viewing it as, all right, I don't love my job at present, but it's a temporary stepping stone to get me to the job that I actually will enjoy. I think that that, that helps immensely. And that's what I want, you know, to, to recommend folks to do. And the other thing is, it also has to do with what it is that we prioritize. You know, if, if you only prioritize uh, the money that you make, that's what can often, you know, you feel like uh, that, that you're not enjoying the job or the fulfillment. If you actually make the goal of your work the joy and the fulfillment, then the paycheck and the money actually just becomes a byproduct of that. And, you know, uh, again, I just don't want folks to feel trapped in whatever situation they're not in because I'm a huge believer that, you know, uh, to the best of my knowledge, life is rather short and we only get one go at this thing. Uh, and we might as well spend it doing things that we consider meaningful and, and really fill our own buckets. Alan, do you think that sometimes we stay stuck in those situations because of the way we feel about ourselves, that we don't have the confidence or the self-belief that we can go on and do something else? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you went in that direction. That's such an, an insightful thought. Um, yeah, lack of self-belief and lack of self-confidence, and to take it a couple layers even deeper is is, is this rather common unconscious feeling that that we're not worthy and that we don't deserve some of these better things in life and that's you know a, a good portion of the reprogramming that i've tried to do with my own self um you know i i want to certainly go on record and say um, with everything that i'm sharing with you right now in this lovely conversation and everything that i've shared in my book and i share from stage in my keynotes i'm not speaking from a place of mastery these are all things that i am still working on myself now, I'm, I'm proud of the progress that I've made in recent years. Uh, I'm excited and optimistic about the path that I'm on. Um, but, but, you know, I, I still struggle with these things and, and have the same challenges and adversities uh, as everybody else does. And, and, and with the example that we've been talking about, you know, life is hard, and there are always going to be challenges and adversities. So I figure if that's going to be true, then I might as well face them doing things that I enjoy versus things that I don't, which is why I encourage folks to make this pivot. But um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that self-confidence and self-belief and self-worth are things that can be developed. You know, it's not like, it's not like eye, color, eye color. You know, you're either born with a trait or you're not. You know, so for anyone listening right now, um, if you don't have a very high sense of self, you know, self-belief or self-confidence or self-worth, that's okay. I know that's not a great feeling. And as I said before, I have nothing but empathy and compassion for you. Um, but you are not stuck there unless you choose to be stuck there. There are steps you can take to improve 
your self-confidence. And, and self-confidence and self-belief and self-worth, uh, they, they come from three primary areas. Uh, one, they come from, from keeping the promises you make to yourself, like keeping, keeping your own word. You know, if you say that you're going to get up at a certain time, then get up at a certain time. If you say that you're going to start focusing on your physical fitness and wellness and eating better, then do those things. And you don't have to be perfect in doing them, but you want to try to keep your word to yourself. And when you start doing that consistently, your self-confidence will, will increase. Uh, another area that we build self-confidence is, is through demonstrated performance. Uh, and most of this is during the unseen hours. So putting in the work and putting in the repetitions when no one else is watching and actually feeling and increasing your sense of competency uh, will, will also lead to self-confidence. And then the third leg to that stool um, is, is in the conversations you have with yourself, you know, the self-talk. And I want to encourage everyone, and this is something I've really had to work on in my own life, is to be as kind and compassionate with yourself as you would be with a friend or a loved one. You know, lots of times uh, we can be our own worst enemy that when we make a mistake or we have a lapse in judgment or something doesn't go well, we tend to be very self-critical and we pile on the criticism uh, and the shame and the guilt, and that only weighs us down further. If you can learn to be as compassionate and forgiving as you would be with a, a friend or a loved one, if you can talk that way to yourself, that's another way that you can help improve your, your self-confidence and self-worth. An excellent exercise. One of the first things I learned to do when I started doing this work was to monitor my self-talk. Because, you know, these mm -hmm. thoughts go through your mind and you're not even aware of them. But when you start to pay attention and you listen to the way you speak to yourself, you, you recognize that you would never talk to another human being the same <laughs> way you talk to yourself. Oh, you're so right on that. And that's, and that's such a powerful um, way to, to reframe that. And, you know, e even take it a step further, not even just with with our adult friends, but, you know, I'm, I'm the proud father of three children. I have 12 year old twin sons and a 10 year old daughter. And, you know, I think, you know, how, how do I speak to my children when they're scared or they're worried or they're anxious or they're upset? You know, maybe they, they lost a basketball game or maybe they didn't get a good grade on a test or, you know, like I, I try and think of how do I treat my own children when they're feeling down? And the answer is, you know, I, I lead with, and parent them with love and, and, you know, unconditional love and compassion and empathy. And, and I do everything I can to be supportive of them and to encourage them. And that's the same way that I need to speak to myself, you know, that when I'm upset or I'm frustrated or I'm, you know, uh, fill in the blank with any of those emotions, uh, I need to learn to speak to myself the same way that I would approach my children. And, and once again, uh, I'm not perfect with that, but I've made really good progress over the last few years, um, and now I have a level of awareness where I catch myself if I'm not talking to myself in an empowering and supportive way. And, you know, with everything that you and I are discussing, awareness is always the first step. Uh, you will never improve something you're oblivious to, and you will never fix something you're unaware of. So uh, I want folks listening right now to know just an awareness that you don't love your job, like a conscious awareness that you don't love your job is actually a big step. Because so many people go through life um, with a very numb feeling, like they're, they're, just, they're just kind of on the, you know, the hedonic treadmill, and they're just going through life, and, and they're just numb. They don't even realize you know, the, the dissatisfaction that they have in their work and in their life. So just being aware of it is actually a major first step, because now that you're aware of it, you can take steps to change. Same thing with self-talk. You know, a good portion of the people that talk negatively to themselves aren't even aware that they're doing it and don't realize that they have a choice to change that. They just think that is an automatic default setting. Uh, and, and as you and I know, it's not. Alan, you've worked with some of the biggest names in sports. What do these athletes practice? Is there something you can share with us that has gotten them to this level? Absolutely. Well, there's two things that jump out immediately. Uh, the first, and this is a lesson I learned directly from the, the late, great Kobe Bryant, uh, and he said something to me that changed my life forever. And he said, the best never get bored with the basics. And that in order for you to not only perform at a high level, but to also have a high sense of self and fulfillment, that you need to work towards mastery of the fundamentals um, on a regular basis, especially during the unseen hours. Now, in a game like basketball, uh, the fundamentals of the game are shooting, passing, rebounding, defending, and handling the ball. Uh, it's your footwork. It's your shooting mechanics. So if you want to be really good at the game of basketball, then you consistently 
work on those skills and those fundamentals. Uh, for everyone listening that's not an NBA player, which I would assume is most of your listening audience, you need to ask yourself, what is the area that I'd like to elevate my performance? Uh, maybe it's very specific you know, to your vocation. It's, you know, you're, you're a sales professional and you want to sell at a higher level. Uh, maybe you want to up-level your marriage and have a more connected, uh, you know, intimate relationship with your spouse. Well, whatever it is you're trying to improve, um, you need to figure out what are the basic building blocks and what are the fundamentals of this that I need to focus on and I need to work towards. And, you know, whether it's being a sales professional or you're trying to improve your marriage, you could easily come up with three, four, five, six different fundamentals that you believe, if practiced consistently, will allow you to perform at a higher level. And once you've, you've crystallized that, then you need to respect the process and you need to work on those things as consistently as you can. And if you do so, I mean, it's, it, I say with a huge smile, it's, it's almost like magic. You'll, you'll start to see drastic improvement in that area just by refocusing your lens on the fundamentals. And the other area that unites high performers, whether in basketball business or anything in between, um, and this, this actually piggybacks nicely on what we were talking about before from a confidence standpoint, is they blend confidence with humility. Uh, they earn the right to be confident because they've put in the work and the practice to deserve confidence, and they've done the three things that I mentioned before, but they brush that with constant humility. And humility is what allows us to stay open to coaching, is what allows us to stay open to feedback, it's what allows us to uh, continue to grow and improve because we realize no matter how good we are in any area of life, we can always make improvements and we can always get better. So even if you are the, the top sales professional at your, your organization, uh, you can still get better. Even if you have an incredibly loving and, and connected relationship with your spouse, you can still make that an even deeper connection um, you know, if you're, if you're open to making those changes. And that all starts with humility. So I would say never getting bored with the basics and marrying confidence with humility are, are two traits that unite all high performers, regardless of industry. Alan, what are your thoughts on some of the time drains that we have? I mean, if, if you ever talked to someone who said, you know, oh, I went on Facebook and two hours later, I'm still there. If we were able to take that time that we're wasting, what would we be able to do with our lives? Oh, I, I love the way that you frame that because, you know, time is finite. I mean, we it's finite on a macro level as far as, you know, none of us know how long we're going to be walking this earth. I mean, if certainly you can hedge your bet and you can take really good care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, and statistically, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't live to 80, 90, maybe even 100 years old. But we all know that that is not promised. Every single one of us knows someone uh, whose time expired um, unexpectedly early and, and prematurely. So on a macro level, you know, we don't know how much time we have. Uh, on a micro level, you know, uh, most of us deal in the day-to-day. -day. So we know, for the most part, we're given 24 hours in a day. And the goal should be to get the most out of that 24 hours. Now, when I say the most out of this 24 hours, I am not espousing the hustle culture and the grind 24-7, and you should be working all of the time. I'm saying that in that 24 hours, you want to, to picture it almost like a pie chart. And you want to divide that pie chart uh, accordingly so that it is in alignment with your core values and beliefs. Um, so if you look at that pie chart and say, okay, you know, I need roughly eight hours of, of quality sleep in order to recharge my internal battery and be my best self. Great. Well, that leaves you with 16 hours. Uh, and then if, you know, if your chosen field of work, whether you're self-employed or you work for someone else, um, you know, maybe that's another eight, sometimes nine or 10 hours that need to be devoted to that. And that's another sliver of the pie. And then, you know, maybe you're choosing to uh, have another piece of the pie devoted towards your relationships, you know, maybe with your significant other or your children or family or friends. So that's another sliver. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of making sure there is a sliver of pie de devoted towards self-care, um, whether that's, you know, something for your mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual well-being, but you are carving out time to fill your own bucket and nourish your soul. So uh, maybe that's taking a Peloton class or uh, reading a book or, you know, listening to a podcast or making time to have coffee with a loved one, but you're, there's a sliver of pie that's devoted towards self. And what I found, if you put the big pieces on first, which is what I just mentioned, 
then any discretionary time that's left over is yours to do with what you please. And, and I would say that with no judgment. I mean, if, if you're getting adequate sleep and you have very strong connected relationships and you are devoting time to your own physical, mental, and emotional well-being, and you are pouring into your work because you really enjoy your work and feel, you know, get fulfillment from that. If you do all of those things and you have a couple hours left over and you choose to, to binge watch a couple episodes of Yellowstone on, on Netflix, that's totally fine. But what happens is most people do the reverse. They allow things to steal their time um, that they don't consider as meaningful. And, and you just said one of the biggest culprits, which is social media and the Internet. You know, they find themselves going down the rabbit hole of Facebook or YouTube, and then they binge watch something on Netflix. And, you know, next thing you know, they don't think there's enough time in the day to get sleep, to have fulfilling relationships, to keep up with their physical fitness and wellness, uh, to pour into their work. And, and it's, it's simply uh, it's almost an illusion because they just filled you know, they filled the pie with the wrong slivers first. So I found that if you take control of your time and your energy and focus on and put the things on your calendar that mean the most to you first based on your core values, that's the best way to, to, to make the most of the time that we have. Helen, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and this is a complaint that many of them have. They'll, they'll say something like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I work all the time. I have a great service that I offer. And yet... I'm just not able to get to that next level. Why can't I earn the money I should be earning? Or why is my business not where it should be? What do you find is usually at the root of a problem like that? Well, those are wonderful questions to ask. And once again, uh, parlaying on what I said earlier, that shows a certain level of self-awareness. And I actually commend someone for being able to ask themselves those questions. And, And I know that it it, it, it may not feel good that if you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you can't get to that next level or you're stagnating, it's not necessarily a good feeling, but I want them to see the silver lining in the fact that you at least are uh, aware of it. And one of the first steps, and that's why I love the way that you, you framed those questions, one of the very first steps is to have a, a mindset of extreme ownership and holding yourself fully accountable to everything that goes on in your life. You know, one of the easiest um, defaults that most people go, go to when things are not going well is a trilogy of behaviors that not only undermines performance but undermines our sense of fulfillment, and that is blaming, complaining, and making excuses. Um, so if you feel like your business um, is not where it should be, or if you're working for a, a, another organization and you feel like you haven't been promoted or, or climbing that quote-unquote ladder at the rate you feel you deserve, the worst thing you can do is blame, complain, and make excuses. It is to skirt responsibility and say, well, you know, the reason I can't get to the next level is because of the economy, or the reason I can't get to the next level is because this person doesn't like me, or, or whatever. So um, while there is certainly no shortage of valid reasons that could come up, the key is holding yourself fully accountable and saying, okay, what am I in control of, and how can I level that up to get where I want to be. So um, holding yourself fully accountable. And uh, what, what I like to say is simply do the best you can with what you have where you are. That, you know, if, if you can make that promise to yourself, then you will continue to grow and escalate and develop. Um, we do not control the outer world. You know, we don't control uh, life circumstances or events. We don't control what other people say or what other people do. So if you put too much focus on the outer world, it will start to erode your inner world. And your inner world is your mindset, your attitude, your perspective, uh, and we want that to come from, come from within. So one of the things that I've been very conscious of working on in my own life is making sure that the outer world doesn't dictate my inner world, that regardless of what goes on around me, I'm going to decide how I choose to show up and the progress that I make. And just so your listeners don't think I, I live in a fantasy land or I've completely lost my marbles, I'm by no means implying that the things that go on in the world uh, are to your liking. I'm not implying that they're your preference. I'm not implying they're necessarily good. And I'm definitely not implying that they don't have an impact. I mean, there's no question, depending on, on how the economy is doing, that can absolutely have an effect on, on someone's business. I mean, we all saw firsthand that the, the COVID pandemic uh, had a direct impact on certain industries in particular, you know, specifically the hospitality industry. So I'm not saying these things don't have an effect. What I'm saying is we don't control any of those things, 
So anytime we spend blaming, complaining, or making excuses about them aren't going to move us forward. So we didn't control the global pandemic and, and all of the you know, uh, lockdowns and quarantines and guidelines that came with it, but each of us controlled our response to those things. And that's where I want folks to put their focus on. So when you're asking yourself, why isn't my business going well or at the level that I believe it should, make sure that under that microscope, you are looking at the things that you have a direct impact and influence over, and those are the areas you need to, to change. If you just throw up your hands and say, you know, my business isn't doing good because of, and you know, fill in the blank, uh, because of who is president, or because of, uh, uh, of the economy, or because of the pandemic, while those things may be valid and there may be truth behind them, that's not going to help you move any further along down the path. So learn to take complete ownership of everything in your life and don't focus on the events, but focus on your response to those events and make those responses as thoughtful and as intentional as you can. The book is Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. If you'd like to get more information about Alan and his work, you can visit alansteinjr.com, and that's J-R, alansteinjr.com. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a great conversation. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you for asking such beautiful questions. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, but only if you make a good impression. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I empower you to make media appearances more impactful. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills. To learn more, visit cyacyl.com slash media training. Recently, I was flipping through a toy catalog, shopping for a gift for a friend's child, when I stumbled upon an item that had brought hours of enjoyment to my children. It's a square box that has different shapes cut out into each side with matching pieces. The goal of the toy is for children to fit each piece into its corresponding hole, thus learning to recognize shapes and how to fit like things together. My boys spent hours placing the various shapes into their respective holes. Most times, the pieces fit together with ease, but on occasion, they would work tirelessly trying to make the wrong piece fit into the wrong hole, an oval in a circle, a square in a triangle, a rectangle in a square. As I reminisced about them sitting on the floor working at this task, I began to think about how this activity mimics what we do throughout our life, work to make the pieces fit. Hi, this is Joan Herman, here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Sometimes our choices fit perfectly, but other times, no matter how much energy we expend, they just don't fit. How many times have you been in a friendship or romance that didn't work out? In most situations when the breakup occurred, anger, heartbreak, and disappointment soon followed. Then blame. Someone must be at fault. Someone was wrong. You tried so hard, so why couldn't it survive? Instead of being consumed with anger and resentment, Did you ever stop and think that maybe, just maybe, it was simply a wrong fit and that no one is to blame? Like the pieces in the toy, each of us has an individual design derived from life experiences. We are each as unique as a circle, square, triangle, or octagon. When we make the right match, everything fits perfectly. But when we have the wrong pieces, it doesn't work, no matter how hard we push or on what angle. It would be ridiculous to say something is wrong with the circle because it didn't fit in the square. We recognize the shapes as being different, so why do we make those claims about people? Why do we assign blame to a person and then spend the rest of our life being angry and resentful, thinking about what could have been? Perhaps a new perspective would be to view each of us as the pieces of the toy, unique with our own characteristics, perfect in our design, but not always a fit. No matter how hard we try to squeeze it together and how much we want it. 
Perhaps looking at life experiences in this way may make it easier to let go and stop assigning blame. It may enable us to forgive and move forward. So the next time you experience the loss of a valued relationship, rather than being consumed with anger and bitterness, just release it. Try to view yourself and the other person as shapes, different from each other, but with their own purpose, beauty, and value. Perfect in their individuality, but they just don't fit. Thanks for spending these minutes with me. For more information and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and underprepared when it comes to taking care of your health. But according to our next guest, Casey Guerin, despite what the wellness industry told you, you don't need another cleanse, detox, or supplement. You need a crash course in separating hype from health. Casey is a former executive editor and health director at Self Magazine. She is the author of the book, It's Probably Nothing, The Stressless Guide to Dealing with Health Anxiety, Wellness Fads, and Overhyped Headlines. Welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Casey, many people are anxious about their health, particularly now, and they find it challenging navigating all of the information that's available. It's really easy to become a Google doctor. And, you know, I laugh when I say that because I remember years ago when I was doing medical editing, no matter what medical document I would edit, I always had the symptoms of that disease. So it gets really easy (laughs) to fall into that trap, as I'm sure you can attest to. I'm sure you've done the same thing. So... How do you think we can go about maintaining good health without becoming that hypochondriac? I can definitely relate to what you experienced. (laughs) I have been anxious about my health and been that person who Googles their symptoms and assumes the worst um, my whole life. And then I ironically became a health editor. And um, yes, it didn't go away. I also, you know, I would edit something and be like, yes, I have that. I definitely have that. Um, But as a health reporter, you know, we learn to ask certain questions and dig through the research and the medical jargon. And you learn how to distinguish between legitimate sources and ones that aren't and debunking those bogus wellness trends. And I realized that those are the tools that could really help the average person to just navigate all of this health information and misinformation that's out there. So I think it starts with you know doing a lot of the same tools and tricks that a health reporter uses when they're you know churning through all of this information. We get so much information from different sources, some reputable, some not so reputable. So how can we go about fine-tuning our BS detector? How can we separate the hype from the health? Yeah, so I think that a really important part is to look for the primary sources. You know, we we learn about primary and secondary sources back in elementary school, and I think it's something a lot of us seem to forget. Um, But you want to always look for, you know, where does that statistic come from? Where does that fact come from? And that can be really hard when you're just on Facebook and seeing, you know, a stat in a shareable graphic or in a meme. Um, But you want to look for that primary source, you know, whether it is peer-reviewed research or a doctor, because you want to get more context around what what you're looking at. Um, And so so often we don't have that context or we see a headline like, tequila helps you lose weight. (laughs) And that's not really what the study said. So I think when it comes to you know, knowing if something that you're reading online or seeing online is legitimate or not, it is doing a little bit of research. And a lot of that starts with kind of playing that game of telephone, you know, going back as far as you can and finding where does this information come from? And you just mentioned weight loss. And that is really an area that we can drive ourselves crazy researching. You know, one day you hear, do this, don't do that. Like you said, drink tequila, don't drink tequila. Although if we had tequila, we wouldn't be quite as worried about it. But, um, you know, it's something that we do drive ourselves crazy with. In in particular, I think as women, because we have this notion that we have to look and and be this particular, um, you know, body size and shape. And so, I think that also helps us to follow a lot of the misinformation because we're striving for something that is often unattainable. So 
When it comes to diet and nutrition, what are some of the things that you've learned all of these years working at Self? Well, you're right. There's so much conflicting reports out there. And it does seem like if you searched the same, you know, weight loss or nutrition tip, you would find every other year that it goes back and forth. And so I think that we should just be really aware of these messages that we are getting from these wellness brands um, and, you know, the, the predatory wellness products and supplements that are promising to help you lose all this weight and, and just look at, is there any evidence for this? Is there peer-reviewed research to back this up? Um, and if not, is this even a trusted source on this? Is this just a, a random celebrity or is it someone who has dedicated their career to studying metabolic health and, and weight loss? Um, so again, finding those trusted sources, and that can be a nutritionist that you see personally, someone that whose opinion you respect and having that sounding board can be really helpful when you're getting tons of conflicting messages in the media because, yeah, you're right. We are often getting uh, the message that there's something wrong or off with our body, that we need to be optimizing our health and weight in different ways, and it can really get to you. Do you think that it's important that we learn to listen to our body? I do, but I do think that sometimes we throw around that phrase, just listen to your body um, without realizing that some of us do that a lot already. <laughs> so for some of us who are those symptom searchers, are the people that, you know, we read something and we assume, oh, I definitely have that. Um, what I learned from the experts when I was researching this book is that often that health anxiety does stem from paying too much attention to your body and really being almost too in tune with your body and your symptoms. And so when you tell someone, oh, just, you know, you know your body best, um, that's not always the case. Some of us uh, can't stop listening to our bodies. And so I think it's there's a fine line there. I think uh, listening to your body and, and trusting yourself is one aspect, but also knowing when sometimes your body just kind of messes with you, uh, like having a panic attack. Well, that's the thing, because sometimes you don't know if you are actually creating the symptoms in your body because the mind is very powerful. Exactly. And we know that when we do stress out about a particular symptom, um, and again, that can be you know a physical symptom that's not necessarily medical uh, or pathological in nature, we can make it seem you know louder and more salient because we are paying more attention to it. And if you do end up getting stressed out about it, very anxious, and you trigger that kind of fight or flight response um, that we know is involved in a panic attack, that can come with even more symptoms, real physical symptoms that you might attribute to, you know, I'm having a heart attack or I'm dying. Um, but your mind is very powerful, like you said. So it can be really hard. And the experts that I talked to for this book did emphasize, you know, if you were worried about something, of course, seek medical attention. If it's something that now this is becoming a pattern and you are realizing that you're elevating these symptoms in a way um, that they can't necessarily find a physical cause, you might want to also seek mental health support because it could be something that, you know, if you're just going to doctors, you're not necessarily getting the support that you need. The book is It's Probably Nothing, The Stressless Guide to Dealing with Health Anxiety, Wellness Fads, and Overhyped Headlines. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club, created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Doreen Steenland, an ICF certified coach who uses neuroscience and coaching to harness the power of our brains. As a transformational neuro coach, Doreen changes brains one thought at a time. Doreen is the founder of Living Full Life Coaching. She is here today to discuss what happens in the brain when we feel overwhelmed. Welcome, Doreen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Doreen, what an important topic this is. In today's world, it is so easy to feel overwhelmed. 
So let's begin by talking about what happens to us when we experience these feelings. Yeah, so such a great question. Um, when we are feeling overwhelmed, it's because um, there's there's a few different things that are happening. Generally, most of us notice the external things. We notice the, the constant stimulation. We notice all of the emails coming in. We notice all of the notifications. We notice all of the hustle and bustle and chaos surrounding us. And those are the external things or our to-do lists or our demands that are, are calling our attention. Um, what we don't always pay attention to is what's happening inside of us. And, and that's how we're managing the energy that's, that's coming in through our brain and our body from the external circumstances. And thirdly, how we perceive that information. Because how we perceive it and what's going on internally matters a whole lot more than what's going on externally. When we become mindful of what is happening internally, what can we then do to combat this overwhelm that often overcomes us? Yeah, so I I love to um, look at this from the point of view of uh, a coach, David Rock, and he used this example at in your brain at work. And he looks at the brain, the prefrontal cortex, where all of the higher function and thinking happens as a small theater. And all of the things that come into our mind are called actors. And and those are the things that hold your attention. And those actors enter the stage like a normal actor would. And, 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 And that's where we focus our attention, right? Sometimes these actors are also members of the audience that come onto the stage to perform. And those those members from the audience that we bring onto the stage are our own thoughts, our memories, and our perceptions. So we have to remember that this stage is small and can only handle a few things at once. In our, in our attention economy, our brains are being bombarded by all of this stuff. And then our brains naturally bring actors up from the audience. So what, what's important to do is to think of your brain as, as having limited space on that stage and removing certain things from that stage so that you could place your focus on the areas that, that you want to. And, and one of the techniques I love to use for this is called a brain dump, where you just sit for like two to three minutes and Dump every thought that you have on a piece of paper, whether it's important, whether you perceive it's important or not. And then you get to leave them there and focus on what you want to focus on. And later you can sort those thoughts into what needs to be done, what needs to go, what needs to be filed, what needs to be delegated to somebody else. That helps our brains to clear that stage so we can really focus on the work that's in front of us. Doreen, can you give us a tip that can help us avoid allowing those external factors in so we don't even feel overwhelmed to begin with? So part of it is is noticing what's happening in, in your body. Our bodies are the first thing that give us a clue, kind of like a dashboard on, on a car, a car dashboard. It's, it's the, the light that's flashing emergency, right? Our bodies are, are showing either tension or anxiety. It's holding tension in your jaw, in your shoulders. That's a clue that something is going on underneath the hood, that there's something that we need to address. So at that point, when we notice that there is something going on in our bodies, we need to pause and get curious. We need to pause and ask ourselves some questions. What is it that's going on right now for me internally? What is it that I want to see? And by doing that, we get the emotional charge out of it. And we go to that that stage, right, where we can start sorting and thinking and solving the problem about what's going on internally for us. And, of course, you know, mindfulness practice, which, which we've all heard a lot about, just taking that moment when we're pausing and just taking a few deep breaths really does a lot to bring that that tension down, release feel-good hormones in your brain, and allow you to focus in a, 
in a, a more clear way so that you can see what's going on in front of you. Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Doreen and her work, you can visit livingfulllifecoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Doreen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Doreen. We'll be right back. Did you know that fostering a truly diverse and inclusive organization adds to the business value proposition? Diversity, equity, and inclusion can be an especially intense and emotional topic in business, media, and politics alike. Generally, because this topic calls for change, it is met with resistance. What does diversity and inclusion really mean? Diversity is defined as understanding, valuing, and celebrating the uniqueness of each person and recognizing how individual differences enrich your organization at all levels. These differences appear along many differing dimensions beyond gender, age, race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status. Inclusion allows all team members to be treated fairly and respectfully. Equity is access to opportunities and resources so all can contribute fully to the organization's success. When you have an organization like this, you approach challenges from all directions with solutions from every angle, which lends to achieving greater results. Your team and clients both feel recognized and appreciated. Because of this, businesses such as these gain success in collaboration, sales, business relationships are strengthened, investments are secured, and overall positive culture is established. To further this discussion, call me, Bertha Robinson, at 732-705-5060 or visit my website, staronprofessional.com. It's time for To Your Health. Joining us today is Emanuela Fissoni, a certified health and life coach, who has helped people experience breakthroughs in their health and lives. She's the author of the book, Healing Through Nature's Medicine. Emanuela is here today to discuss meeting your pet's nutritional needs. Welcome, Emanuela. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. How are you? Thank you for having me. Emanuela, people who have pets often just go into the supermarket and buy a bag of pet food off the shelf. Is this a good idea? Do these commercial foods, do they meet the needs that our dogs and cats have? No, they're not. And it's it's um, very sad. Basically, for thousands of years, animals in the wild thrived on diets that were natural and raw foods, which really provided them with the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, and the chlorophyll that their bodies needed and that was, they were designed for in use. So today, whether animals live in our homes or on farms, or otherwise under our care, their diets are often very different than the wild. And most of us feed the animals we love commercially processed diets, which basically lack a major, major nutritional deficiencies in the food. So how can we tell the difference between a product that is good for our pet and one that might be lacking the nutrients that it needs? Our dogs and cats, really thrive from foods that are rich in nutrients and that are as close to nature as possible. So when all of these commercial dog foods, well, the nutritional factors, they require a heat sensitive. They, they are heat sensitive. And critical nutritional properties are destroyed with high heat processing applications or improper storage. So when you see that these commercial dog foods are made and then stored on a shelf for God knows how long, that is creating major havoc. And they're not being fed real foods. They're being fed, if you look at the back of ingredients on a dog food bag or a can, you'll see that the majority of the foods on those ingredients are not real foods. And they're loaded with chemically and synthetically made vitamins as well. So when you're feeding your dog these foods that are really not foods at all, they're creating more havoc in the body. The body only recognizes what to do with real foods and superfoods in the body. So when we read the labels, what should we be looking for? What are the key things we have to make sure the food has? Well, the things that they, just to kind of touch on what you mentioned before, 
is the symptoms that will basically over time develop in your dog is increased allergy reactions, dry skin, dull hair and, um, and coats, and an increased susceptibility to parasites. So w- to fill in the gaps of what the commercial dog food is providing your dog, it's really important to really give them the four basic biological requirements, which are probiotics, food enzymes, organic nutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, and trace elements, and also whole food antioxidants. And Emanuela, is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Actually, yes, because when you're, you're feeding your dog or cat these chemically made food diets, you really are, if you really love your dog, you really want to feed them the best because you are going to um, give them a longer lifespan. And also, you're feeding them the, the best. You're going to save money on vet bills. I will tell you that from personal experience. And you will be your your dog's best healer and vet because you'll know exactly what you're putting into their food and you'll be feeding them a balanced food um, diet, which predominantly should be 50% a protein source and 50% vegetables and vitamins and nutrients. Emanuela, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or any of Emanuela's work, you can visit embodyvitality.net. Or as always, to hear more from Emanuela, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Emanuela. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.